Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a description of hell as we pick up in Psalm chapter 16, verse 9. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And how that the poor man died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and also the rich man died and in Hades, hell, lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus there. The man he recognized, being comforted in Abraham's bosom, cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to me that he may take his finger, dip it in water, touch my tongue. I'm tormented in this heat. Abraham said, well, son, you remember in the li- your lifetime you had the good things, Lazarus evil, now he's comforted while you were tormented. Besides that, between us there's a gulf that is fixed. It's impossible for those that are here to go over there or those that are there to come over here. Then I pray thee if he cannot come over here, send him back, send him back to the earth that he might warn my brothers lest they come to this awesome place. Abraham said, they have the law and the prophets. If they will not believe them, neither will they believe should one come back again from the dead. So Jesus gives us the description of hell in the center of the earth. For one day they were asking Jesus for a sign, and he said, a wicked and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So it's located for us by Jesus. Now, Peter is telling us that this was God's promise to his son. Thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you allow the Holy One to see corruption. Paul tells us in the fourth chapter of Ephesians that he who ascended is the same one who first of all descended into the lower parts of the earth. And when he ascended, he led the captives from their captivity. So when Jesus ascended from the grave, those that were there with Abraham being comforted, awaiting the promise of God, were delivered from the grave also. He set free those captives. You remember the prophecy of Isaiah in the 61st chapter where it said the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to mend up those that are broken to set at liberty those that are bound and to open the prison doors to those that are captive he's talking about the prison doors of death of Hades to those that were captive In the 11th chapter of Hebrews, when we are told of all of these great saints of the Old Testament who by faith wrought all of these wonderful things, the chapter concludes, now these all died in faith, not having received the promise, that is of resurrection and eternal life, 
But seeing it afar off, they embraced it. They held on to it, and they claimed that they were just strangers and pilgrims here. They were looking for a city which hath foundation, whose maker and builder is God. And then in the end of the chapter, again, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promise, God having reserved some better thing for us, that they, without us, could not come into the perfect or completed state. Until Jesus made the provision on the cross to put away sins, they could not come into the completed state in heaven. The Old Testament sacrifices serve to cover their sins, but it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats could put away sin. All they could do was to testify of a better offering that was to come, the offering of Jesus Christ himself for our sins, by which he made the way into heaven for all men. So those in the Old Testament who were by faith believing the promise of God and trusting God through faith to fulfill his promise, they were in one side of hell being comforted by Abraham. And they were released from that captivity at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Peter, the epistle of Peter, we read, where Jesus went down and preached to those souls that were in prison. And so for three days and three nights, Jesus was preaching the glorious good news to those who had been waiting with faithful Abraham for God's promises to be fulfilled. What a time of rejoicing that must have been. And then when he ascended, broke the bars of the grave, ascended, he led the captives from their captivity and gave gifts unto men. So Peter is quoting this in the New Testament. Said David, being a prophet, spake not of himself. His sepulcher is with us to this day. But he was speaking of Jesus, and we bear witness, God did not leave his soul in hell, neither did he allow the Holy One to see corruption. For thou wilt show to me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. This now is the exalted place of Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. He said, henceforth you'll not see me until you see me sitting there at the right hand of my Father in glory. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. God has shown to me not death. Thou not leave my soul in the grave, but you've shown to me the path of life. And so the glorious promise to the Son and who for the joy that was set before him by the Father endured the cross, though he despised the shame. The 17th Psalm is another prayer of David, and it is again one of those prayers where David is sort of pleading his own cause, his own righteousness before the Lord. Hear the right, O Lord. Attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer, that goeth not out of deceitful lips. It is important that our prayers not come out of deceitful lips. 
I, I am afraid that many times I have prayed rather deceitfully, hoping to sort of con God. I haven't always been absolutely honest in my prayers. I've tried to make myself look better than I really am in many of my prayers. And I find that God can't deal with me until I get totally honest with him. As long as I keep saying, well, Lord, I, I can do it. I just need a little help. <laughs> I'm not really honest. And, and the help doesn't seem to be forthcoming. Because if he would help me under those conditions, then I'd go around saying, I always knew I could do it. So it's when I get really honest and say, Lord, I can't do it. I need help. Then he comes in and helps me because then all I can say is, wow, the Lord really helped me. And I give the credit and the glory to him. Lord, you know that I get a little upset with this brother. I don't love him as much as I should. I don't have that agape for him, Lord. That's sort of deceitful. That's not really telling the truth. God, you know I hate his guts. I can't stand it. <laughs> he makes me sick every time I look at him. I want to punch him in the nose. God, change my heart and my attitude. Then God can deal with me. So David is saying, Lord, I'm not you know, speaking out of deceitful lips. And it's something that we need to watch in our prayers that it can be very subtle. It can be very subtle. We have not because we ask not. We ask and receive not because we ask amiss that we might consume it upon our own lust. The true motive behind our prayers is, is often veiled. Oh, God, save my son. Bring him to you, Lord. And in my mind, I'm thinking, boy, I don't know what I'm going to do with this kid. Can't control him any longer. I, I'm, I just know that one of these days, he keeps on the way he is. I'm going to get a telephone call, and it's going to be his one call that he has from jail. They're going to pick him up. Our name will get in the paper. What a disgrace that will be when all of the, you know, the people see our, the name, our son arrested. Oh, can't ha Lord, save him, Lord, save him. I don't want the embarrassment of my name in the paper, you know. Motive. It isn't that my heart is breaking because my son is destined in this path for hell. It's I don't want my good name drugged down into the gossip column. Oh, God, send a revival to our church. Lord, save souls. Bring in the lost. Pack the place, Lord. I don't know what we're going to do if we don't raise our budget some. <laughs> if we only had about five new families, we wouldn't have to worry about the budget. Lord, send in the souls. Maybe the bishop will notice, you know, that I'm a pretty good pastor and I might even get a promotion to a bigger church. God, save souls, you know. <laughs> Motive. Oh, how we have to watch it.
because I can deceive myself. You see, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and we don't always know it ourselves. That's why David in Psalm 139 said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is a wicked way there. And then you lead me in your path. Oh, God, preserve me. Hear the prayer that comes out of unfeigned, or out of, not out of the feigned or deceitful lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. And again, he's asking really for justice here, something I never do when I pray. But David feels that his cause is right here. He does declare, I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. And that's a great purpose to make. I think that we so often transgress with our mouth. Our mouth can get us in the most trouble, it seems. Years ago, when we first started, before we had any children, we first started in the ministry, we knew all about how kids ought to be raised in those days. We were beginning to discover that we didn't know as much as we thought we knew about marriage, but we still knew all there was to know about raising kids until we had our own. And at this point, we know that we know nothing about raising kids. But at, at that time, we put a notice in the bulletin, teach your child to be silent, he'll learn soon enough to talk. <laughs> we get into trouble talking. I've purposed in my heart. I'll not allow my mouth to transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slept not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me. Show your marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them that put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Now, David is asking the Lord to just keep him there as the pupil, the apple of his eye, and hiding me under the shadow of thy wings from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who encircle me. And then he speaks not so nicely about his enemies. They're enclosed in their own fat. Their mouth speaks proudly. They've encircled our steps. They set their eyes bowing down to the earth like a lion that is greedy of his prey and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. Oh, arise, Lord, disappoint them. Cast them down. Deliver my soul from the wicked, from men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world which have their portion in this life. What a interesting phrase and how important. Talking about the men of the world, he's talking about men who have their portion in this life. Now, in the 73rd Psalm, we have an interesting case where the Psalm confesses, hey, I almost slipped, I almost, <laughs> I almost went under. When I looked around and I saw the prosperity of the wicked, 
I saw these wicked men, and man, they, they, they had everything they wanted, everything their hearts desired. People would pour out a full cup to them. They, they didn't lack for a thing. And when I saw how prosperous the wicked were, then I said, hey, man, it doesn't, it doesn't pay to try to live the right kind of a life. You know, better that you're wicked. You seem to have it better off. Here I am trying to live the right kind of a life, and I'm in trouble all the time. It seems like I'm always broke, and I'm always going through such hardships, and, and it really doesn't pay to serve the Lord. And he said, when I sought to understand these things, it almost wiped me out. My foot almost slipped until I went into the house of the Lord. And then I saw their end. Surely you have set them in slippery places. In a moment, they go down into the pit and all. But he saw now the end. Now, so he talks here of the men of the world who have their portion in this life only. You see, God is interested in your eternal welfare. Don't forget that. God is always dealing with you in the light of eternity. I am always interested in the light of today. I'm looking for my ease today. I'm looking for comfort today. I'm looking for deliverance today. I want it now so I can enjoy it for the next few minutes. But God is looking at me with eternity in view. And he wants me to have the eternal blessings of his glory and of his kingdom. And it may take depriving me of some of those things that I think I want right now in order that I might have a richer eternity with him. When Jesus spoke very harshly, saying, if your eye offend thee, pluck it out, and, and, and we cringe at such a horrible thing, which he wanted you to do. He's, he's just using an a, a illustration that just caused you to cringe. Oh, no, pluck out my eye. And he's trying to get that kind of a revulsion in you because he is seeking to point out how important eternity is. Now, I think my eyes are extremely important but they are not as important as my eternity with him. And that's, that's the illustration he's trying to make. Just that your eternal welfare with him is the most important thing in this life. And the men of the world, they have their portion in this life only. But I'm a stranger and a pilgrim here. My portion is coming in the life to come. My portion is there with him in his kingdom. 15th verse is one of my favorites in the whole Psalms or in the Bible as far as that goes. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I'm going to behold your face, Lord, in righteousness. This reminds me of what Paul said in Corinthians, where he said, And we with open face beholding the glory of the Lord are changed from glory to glory into the same image by his Spirit in us. I'll be satisfied. I'll behold your face in righteousness, and I'll be satisfied the day I awake in your likeness. 
Oh, how I long for that day. When I open my eyes and I look in the mirror, and there I am in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Now I see through the glass darkly, but then face to face. His work complete in me, conformed into the image of God's dear Son. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we're going to be, but we know that when he appears, we're going to be like him. Now, people are all wondering, well, what kind of a body? I'm not at all worried. I'm satisfied he's going to be like him, or I'm going to see him as he is. People are always worried, what kind of a body am I going to have when the Lord comes? You know, what will I look like? And I don't know if I want to change or not. Maybe I'd like to have this one, you know, just renew it or something, you know. No way, friend. I can hardly wait for the new model <laughs> to come out. <laughs> like him, I'll be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Comes from beholding his face in righteousness. As we behold the glory of the Lord, we are being changed from glory to glory. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 17 through 19 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, and may the Lord strengthen you through this week, and may the Word be as a fire burning within your heart as God ministers to you His truth. And may your life be purged through the Word, cleansed. And may you walk with the Lord in beautiful fellowship. And may God grant to you opportunities of witnessing and serving Him. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in you. I'll always believe in you. It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. And that is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.